And now, brought to you by Guru Energy Drinks. Good energy, smart organics on www.guruenergy.com. Coming to you live, but not really live, from Gut Check World Headquarters in the capital city of a boxing glove-shaped state and Gut Check South Command, deep in the belly button above the buckle of the Bible Belt, it's the Gut Check Podcast with your hosts, Ted Gluck and Zach Bartles. Hey, welcome to the Gut Check Podcast. I'm Ted Cluck, joined as always by Zachary Bartles. Uh, Zach, it's your birthday. Uh, it is, which is a strange thing when you're a grown person. It really is, man. And and it's really for me, I, I don't know if you're like this, but for me, the birthday is all about just getting through the day, navigating without anything crappy happening. You know what I mean? Without anything bad going down on my birthday. And if I if I can get through the day um, in that fashion, then it's a good day. Yeah, I and and I, I like to uh, hold on. Internet connection problem. There's a problem with the. It went away. Wait, dude, are you telling me there's a problem with the technology on this program? <laughs> I'm shocked. There was a little box on Skype. I don't know if you had it on your end, but I. Are you there? Yeah, I'm. Can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, you cut out for a minute. Let's it, leave all this in for our listeners. All right. Yeah, they, they should deserve, know the They real... deserve to deal with what we have to deal with. Dude, the authenticity of what we go through to, to bring them this this program, this polished piece of entertainment. Um, what was I saying? Birthdays, right? And to try and avoid like anything that makes me feel like I'm a little boy again, like someone singing "Happy Birthday" to me, other anywhere but in my home, uh, yeah, and and that kind of thing. Yeah, um, yeah. That that's always it's always very awkward for me. So so uh, yeah, and, and it's like I don't I don't mind having the attention on me, like maybe to a, a too too much of a degree. But yeah. uh, not in that way. Speaking of attention on us to a nice degree. Um, <laughs> nice. Speaking of uh, words of affirmation or kind words about us, do we have some? Uh, don't we have some emails? Uh, yeah, yeah. I got something from Ryan Luke Winslade. Uh, uh, Rhino. Rhino. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if that works. <laughs> it's it says uh, subject a word from Australian Lieutenant Colonel Winslade. Oh, nice. Hey, Zach and Ted. Ryan Luke from Australia here. I've messaged back and forth with Zach a couple of times regarding my love for your podcast and appreciation for the bevy of gut check literature. Because of the international hub that is Youth with a Mission, wherein I am a full-time volunteer, we're getting a lot of background information on this guy, I have grown rather fond of a young lady from your, quote, boxing glove-shaped state, whom I have smooth-talked into listening to your beautiful program, for which she is eternally grateful. Whoa, 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 dude, are, are, are we to believe that this guy is using our program to, like, pick up a lady? No, I think he used uh, his lady to add an extra listener to our program. Oh, okay. Like, he didn't, he didn't use our program, like, our words to seduce this lady, then. <laughs> you know what, I'd like to think... That's kind of what I was brought hearing. Them together. That's where I was going with it. <laughs> you you know whatever works best for you just hold hold tight to that yeah all right so in, in my scenario about rhino from australia i feel like we're huge in australia baby don't you yeah i feel like we've heard it from at least two people that's what i was so, going to say by huge i mean two or three people have written us from from there so almost as big as we are in germany <laughs> exactly man huge when we got a guy from New Zealand, and frankly, don't most Americans think of them as sort of semi-interchangeable? Dude, I do. I was just going to say that. I always conflate New Zealand and, uh, and Australia in my mind, so apologies to this guy. <laughs> All right, so he says, we are yet to watch Die Hard or Karate Kid 3 together. Mm. Uh, I don't know how well your relationship's going to work out, buddy. Yeah, but seriously, all right. I, I, don't, I don't have high hopes. But we did a thorough immersive reading of I Kissed Laney Goodbye mm. and have come through the other side enlightened, informed, and, wait for it, dating. So this is a thing. This is a It th is, I guess, yeah. yeah. It's a romantic relationship fueled by gut check. Fueled by guru energy drink and <laughs> free cigars. That's all you need, man. That's all you need in a relationship. And Rachel Held Evans tweets. Absolutely. You know what? Those are those are for those uh, Christian kids who are trying to make it to their wedding night. You know, <laughs> yeah. Nothing when, kills, when it gets too hot and heavy, just bust out a Rachel Held Evans tweet. Nothing kills the mood tweet. like Rachel Held Evans talking. <laughs> <laughs> Myself being relatively recently promoted to the position of lieutenant colonel in the Gutchek Army, I was wondering: Can officers of my caliber have a plus one in the ranks? Keep up the good work, gentlemen. In him, and by in him, I mean in Christ. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan Luke Winslade. 
P.S. We have heard you guys read Re-Rapture during Gut Check Literacy Month. Neither of us has any disposable income to spend on acquiring our own copy of the book, so we cannot read along with it, but we still hang on every word as though we were lashed to it by Velcro from Michaels. I love it, man. I love what the guy's saying, but Judas Priest, you know, like three bucks? How much yeah, is it? Yeah, I don't know. It's uh, four ninety nine. All right. You know what? So I, I, I wish we could gift a copy to this kid, you know? I think I may already have. I feel like I did. Oh, you've already given him a copy. I feel like I did, but maybe not. I don't know. Wow. Anyway, that's that's a uh, love story and a victory for us. Baby, you know what? We got to do a remote in Australia. You know, there's been <laughs> there's been talk of various places around the country, but I, I think it's time to go global with this thing. Dude, it sounds like you're really doing this thing with the Happy Rant, huh? You're getting to, dude. We are. Yeah, we got a date and like a venue and everything, man. So, what's the venue? Uh, it's some I don't know hipster coffee shop in Louisville. So that's what it's called, right? Yeah, it's it's called the Hipster Coffee Shop in Louisville, which narrows it down <laughs> to like fifteen places. You know, so uh, no, no, it'll be great, man. It's like October next year. Now, have you ever like with your own two eyes lay eye, laid eyes on Barnabas Piper? I have not. No, this this uh, remote will probably be the first time I I do so. Huh? And then uh, is there any truth to the idea that maybe El Trogues is going to be? Dude, no, there I don't think well, there's any or... truth to that. That was okay. sort of like fun banter. But, I mean, if you wanted to show up, he could, you know, buy a cup of coffee, be in the audience, you know, whatever. But <laughs> We wouldn't let him near the mic. Oh, but... no, Judas. No way. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, okay, we also got mentioned in a uh, tweet by the Reverend James King. Okay. Yeah, let's uh, <laughs> let's hear that, man, because, I, listen, I count on you to get me caught up on all these uh, – you know, fawning things that come through your transom over there at Gut Check North. So, um, so this is important work for the company. This fell right through the transom, man. Okay. This is trans transom. It says, just when I thought those two fools on these go to 11 podcasts were unmatched, I find two other rejects equally vile at <laughs> Gut Check Pod, just as heretical. Ah, dude, I love it, man. Yeah, you know when you can be, you know, can be just as heretical as, uh, as you know, other other podcasts like these go to eleven. I I would like to be um, someday the most heretical podcast in in James King's eyes. So uh, you know what, man, dare to dream. You know. So tomorrow I've got a, a potential sad uh, event. What's that? Um, in it, well, it's it's in Granville. Yeah. Uh, at the Parable Bookstore. Yeah. And it sounds fun, except that. I, I was like, oh, that's this week. I think I'll promote it. And I went to promote it on my site, and the little letter that came with the promotional material okay. emphasized how, when they've done this in the past, the people who had anyone there were the people who really promoted it themselves. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I'm like, I haven't really done that. And I'm honestly not going to ask you know like my family or anybody to come out to yet another thing about this book. Yeah, yeah. So it may just be me kind of sitting there all uh, alone. Yeah. At a table, yeah, with like copies of my book around me. Yeah, you know what, baby, I can tell you from experience that uh, you, though that is a sad scenario, it's not. It's not the worst thing because um, the last time I had that happen, it was at a Christian bookstore in uh, a small town in Ohio, which is just exactly as glamorous as I portrayed it just then. <laughs> um, and that was where I happened upon um, the copy of that novel by our boy Carmen. So, oh, you're all grown up now. You're all grown up now, exactly. So if I hadn't been sitting there sadly with my pile of books in, uh, in small town Ohio at a Christian bookstore, which is, again, super glamorous, um, I wouldn't have... Did someone hand you a bottle of a sparkling water? Yeah, someone handed me a sparkling water and, and a free copy of a Carmen novel. And I said, you know what, this is all I need. That's, that, that's all that was on my rider. You know? As long as I have those two things, I'm happy. Did you know what I remembered today? What, baby? You and I were at Subway one time. <laughs> Baby, we were frequenters of Subway. That was kind of our, our, our spot. Yeah. The, well, you know, we have, we'll always have Subway. Exactly. You know, we say that frequently. Our favorite little um, neighborhood sandwich shop, you know? <laughs> well, how they take like 19 cents of meat and put it on that bread and charge you six fifty dollars Absolutely. For it. it's, it's charming and quaint it really and is. mom and pop. Yeah. Yeah. Very Americana, you know? But this one time you and I were there in your hometown. Okay. So, so there was some, you know, there was some kind of eggshells involved on my part. I was always a little worried about doing something. I'm kidding. I wasn't at all worried no, about dude, it. No, dude, I was going to say, if you were worried about like <laughs> offending anyone in my hometown, you weren't uh, You weren't showing it. 
<laughs> so we were, I was getting my, and you, you know, you, everyone probably knows that I'm a super germaphobe. Chick is making my sandwich, yeah. ham sandwich. And then all of a sudden she just sort of turns her head to the side and goes, I do. It barely turns her head. Yeah. Huge sneeze. Yeah. And I remember you like tensing up, like, what is he going to say? Yeah, what is yeah, going to happen? Knew I knew, I knew you were going to say something horrible, which would, but I me. didn't, right? I don't, I don't remember. I don't well, what happened was I let her finish making the sandwich. I decided. Uh-huh. I'm like, I'm just going to eat it. I'm just going to power through and eat it. Yeah, yeah. We get to I'm, the end, and of course, we're paying with a gut check card, so we're together. And she says, what did you guys have? And you're like, you know, roast beef. <laughs> and I said, I had a ham and sneeze. <laughs> That's right, dude. I remember that now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't and I remember that because almost the same thing happened to me yesterday. Really? At some what? Yeah, but it, but but I had like a, a rotisserie chicken sandwich, so I couldn't make the joke really. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. Oh man! Did now I don't re- I don't think she even got it. You know, it didn't even register for her what you were saying. Which is the best kind of cutting comment, isn't it? When right. it just completely goes over the head. Well, it was the best for me because it 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 sort of underscored the fact that I could continue going there. You know, what I mean? <laughs> like you hadn't savaged this this girl's uh, emotions. You know. Oh my gosh! I mean, at least like into your sleeve or something, yeah. you know? I mean, something else, dude. You got to do the full turn at that point. You know what I'm saying? You've got to like right. face. You got to face for a second away from the food and and do your sneezing. I'm thinking like three long strides into the back room would even oh, be better. You know, no, that would be ideal. That would really be ideal. You're, but you know, this isn't like Charlie's Crab or something. This is this is Subway. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. But still, man, Subway. That's a that's a like an echelon up from McDonald's. I mean, I would say so. Yeah, can we get a turnaway. You know, is all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> that should be one of the things that they kind of promote about themselves. Yeah, exactly. You know, unlike you know, we don't have deep fried stuff. It's it's all you know more healthy. People turn away when they sneeze. Exactly. You get the turn away. Right. It's a it's a core value of the company. You know. Oh, dude, Greece, dude. Hmm? we have both had some some more uh, kind of follow up mass media literacy to talk about in that I, I never got to my movie and you wanted to talk about a, a show with kind of some pop culture rules or unwritten rules. Dude, right. I want to talk about a podcast that I've been listening well, it's to. It's a podcast. OK, hit me with this. Dude, it's a podcast. It's uh, it's Bill Simmons. Uh, this guy was a, a pretty popular columnist at ESPN. He got canned by ESPN. He started his own thing called The Ringer. And he's a super popular uh, podcaster, and he has various various people from the worlds of sports and pop culture onto his podcast. And I started listening recently, and um, I started with the Louis C.K. episode, which I thought, you know, uh, this will be funny. Simmons is funny. Louis yeah. C.K. is super funny. Dude, like Le- Louis C.K. is hilarious. Yeah, dude, right. So I thought this thing's gonna be this is gonna be uh, unbelievable. You know what I mean, dude? So I'm listening. And it's all like Louis C.K., you know, waxing eloquent about comedy, yeah. you know, and comedy theory. And like and, and it was him talking about his new show. And I swear to gosh, dude, if he said it once, he said it 55 times. I own a television show. You know what I mean? So it was just him like bloviating about how he owns a television show. OK. And it wasn't funny. And, and so me being like the kind kind of generous person that I am, I want to. I guess I want to extend the opportunity for funny people to not be funny occasionally. Like, so if you're Louis C.K., you probably just like sometimes don't once want to in be a funny. while. Yeah, once yeah. in a while, like maybe you want to be serious, you want to be taken seriously, what have you. But, but so this one was a downer, and then the next week he had Key and Peele on. Oh, funnier than Louis C.K. Funnier yeah, even yeah. than Louis C.K. So I'm like, ah, oh, Key and Peele, you know, this is going to turn it around. It's going to stem the tide, you know. And dude, these guys, if you didn't know they were Key and Peele. You would have thought they were two like improv theory professors from some like I don't know fruity liberal arts school on the East Coast. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, well, I mean, per improv theory, I mean, it's really about oh, no. it's about trust. It's about you know blah 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 in this vein. You know what I mean? Uh, Dude, yeah. I swear there was not one funny <laughs> thing said in that entire episode. So someone has set the tone now that this is a place you go to show that you're smart and thinky. Yes. You you go there to talk about your craft, to talk, you know, to be smart and thinky about it, which again, man, like I honestly don't know, so I'm asking you like should funny people always be funny? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, there's there is an unwritten contract there. I tune into you, you make me laugh. Right. 
that makes you famous and rich, and that's the transaction. Yeah. And I don't even like it, you know, when when someone like Tom Hanks takes a career turn and starts trying to do serious stuff. Right, right. You know, I'm like, no, that's not that's not why we made you one of the celebrities. We made yeah. you one of the celebrities so you could do more movies like The Burbs or yes. Joe versus the Volcano, or at the very least, you know, you've got mail. Yeah. And and you know, when someone's bouncing around from Key and Peele, you know, they've got that movie coming out this Friday. Right. And they're not being hilarious and like teasing the jokes and and no, they were. All, I don't like, know. Uh, it was all uh, very much like, well, this is what it's like in the film business. You know, it was very serious. We had deals, and you know, I mean, it, it was just like a huge downer, man. That seems like kind of a. I don't. I was gonna say it seems like a new thing, but I think I've I've been hearing stuff like that on like NPR forever. Oh yeah, NPR. You'll be like, oh, someone funny's gonna be on NPR, and then you remember, oh wait, no, they're not gonna be funny because it's NPR. They're not gonna be funny because it's NPR. They're gonna be very serious about what they do, you know. But but this was Bill Simmons, so I expected like a a funny level of I guess banter between Simmons, who I think is a is a, probably like a you know pretty much world class banterer, you know. Um, I don't know. I thought I thought they would bring that, and they and they didn't. And people overestimate their ability to to get outside of their you know wheelhouse and do yeah. other things, dude. So I feel like a generation of comics ago, and I'm thinking like I don't know Adam Sandler, Chris Farley, um, okay. you know this this Mike Myers, like this generation of comics. I feel like any time those guys were in public, they were funny. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, and maybe do, maybe it's a question of expectations. Do you remember when Chevy Chase tried to have like a, a talk show and interview people? No, I don't. But I bet it was awful. <laughs> it was like two episodes, man. <laughs> he had Queen Latifah on, right? Oh my goodness. He he had no idea how to interview someone. Again, <laughs> just the assumption that him being there and being him would be enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they're like a minute short of when the commercial break is going to be. Yeah. Oh, he has great. nothing left to say. Uh-huh, uh-huh. He's sitting there like a deer in the headlights, and after like literally four or five seconds of dead silence, he just goes, Queen Latifah. Wow. And she goes, yeah. And then he just sat there <laughs> until they went to the commercial. Dude, I got to look that up, And then I don't think up, they ever man. came back. I got to look that up. That reminds me, did you ever watch Magic Johnson's talk show? <laughs> oh, no, that sounds even worse. Dude, it was. It was literally, it was truly the most awful thing on television. Again, I think it lasted like two apps. You know. <laughs> oh, no. No, was it a sports themed no, show? No, it wasn't. Or, or it was, was he like trying to break night, out? Yeah, it was like a late night talk show a la Arsenio Hall. I think it was back when they were trying to, like, you know, capitalize on the whole kind of Arsenio Hall ethos. And it was, this is going to sound horrible, but whatever, it happened. I mean, it was. It was like around when he was getting AIDS or whatever, you know what I mean? So he was like in the news and um I'm, It was around when he was getting AIDS or whatever. That's going on a tweet. Yeah, I mean that that it makes me an awful person to say that. But. It doesn't. It doesn't. You're just placing it in time. Dude, yeah, I'm just merely stating that like that was a thing around the same time when the show was a thing. But but yeah, the show was awful. I I can't for the life of me even remember who they had on, but uh but yeah, they they pulled the plug on that thing. Prompted. The people he had on scrubbed every trace of it probably from I bet. from the uh, world so that no one could I bet man I bet dig it back up. I but to get back to the original question yeah. I I think there's you're allowed an issue or two yeah. that you get serious about Yeah. And and it's expected as far as I'm concerned that you will use your um, yeah, your platform, your your fame to help some people in some way or raise, sure, you know, sure, sure. Uh, yeah. But when you're just doing it to make yourself look smart, right? Um, to show that you're not just the goof all the time, that is such a downer. Yeah. Jim Carrey or whoever, when they're just like, you no, know, Jerry Seinfeld coming on right after the the horrible finale of the Seinfeld show airs, yeah. and telling Jay Leno, I don't feel like being funny tonight, so I'm not going to be funny on your show. Yeah. What? Right, man. Right. I know. Huh. I know. So do you still listen to this podcast, or did I'll turn you off to it? Dude, I, li- I listen like periodically now. Like... uh uh, I was telling you off the air. He had uh, he had Michael Rappaport on, who's an actor that I really like. Also has a podcast uh, that I listen to once in a while. But uh, and Rappaport was hilarious, man. He was like, but he's always funny. You know what I mean? He's consistently hilarious. The the that banter. guy makes every movie better. Oh, he anything does. he's in. Oh, he's automatically better. Yeah, he's unbelievable. He's unbelievable. So I mean, I would listen to that guy like talk about grocery shopping. You know what I mean? Because uh-huh. he would make it funny. 
Is he ever going to have Queen Latifah on? Is the question. Well, you know what? That would be uh, that. That would be great radio. So you could have Queen Latifah and uh, Magic Johnson on, and they could talk about dude. If they know, had Queen Latifah, Magic Johnson, and Michael Rappaport on, I would listen. <laughs> but but absent <laughs> Michael Rappaport, I, I probably wouldn't. Just full disclosure. Now you had uh, you had a show. No, you had a movie that you watched recently that you wanted to talk about. Uh, we were going to try to get to it in the last app. Um, we went long talking about uh, McCall's patterns and, and fabric shopping <laughs> with our moms, which I'm sure made for scintillating radio. But, um, baby, tell me about the movie. Well, what I had watched on Netflix while I was doing some stuff was Charlie's Angels. Okay. <laughs> and you'll remember that was, that's what, 13 years old or yeah. 12 or something about that. But early, early 2000s, but yep. still with a very, very 90s vibe to sure, it. Sure, sure. And... Dude, it was a full-on 90s in a great way. Yeah. It was – here's what it was, man. And I want you to go back and watch it and tell me your thoughts. Okay. But I'm kind of sussing out and, and reverse engineering what works about it. Yeah. Because it's stupid. It's so stupid. Oh, dude, and yet yeah, I'm I remember horribly entertained by it. Right, right, right. Yeah, suss it out, and, man. I figured out that what they had done, it took all these kind of like really, really edgy, like alternative film actors yeah. that were really big in the 90s mm-hmm. and like full mainstreamed them and turned everything into just really polished, overproduced, you know, committee written yeah. garbage. Right. But here here are people that are in. Tell me who you remember actually being in this movie. OK. Bill Murray's in it. I see. I he, don't remember that. Yeah, he's a, he's actually a very major character. He's the only one you see interacting with the three. Okay. Because uh, Charlie's off screen. Yeah, right. Um, he's Bosley or whatever his name is. Yeah. Luke Wilson is in it. What? I love he's that this. guy. Oh, me too. Yeah, but this is like just coming off of like Bottle Rocket and you know oh, all yeah. these kind of. He's got all the uh, hipster like indie cred before hipsters were even a thing. And then he's in this movie where it's just like you know he that's the ultimate sellout. Yes. And, and, and the, you know, everyone's selling out around the clock on this thing. You got Melissa McCarthy's in it. What? No joke. She's in it for, it's, it's, it's almost like it's a walk-on cameo anticipating how famous she will later become. Yeah, in 15 years, you know. Yeah. Aside? Yeah. Am I the only guy who thinks Melissa McCarthy is, like, really, really crazy gorgeous? Dude, I'm so glad you said that because I couldn't agree more, Zach. But, uh, but no, I think she's hot, man. I really do. And Not and the, so much when she's like squeezing out of the cop car in uh, the heat. Dude, but right. Like, but, the, but the funniness makes her even hotter. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. She was hilarious. Tim Curry. Okay. Crispin Glover. Crispin Glover, dude. I love it. Great 80s slash 90s guy, but mostly 80s. Remember Willard <laughs> with the rats? Probably not. No one does. No. Um, Sam Rockwell is the main villain. Dude, Sam Rod. Now, there's a guy who can act. Heck yeah, I love that guy. That guy's good. Matchstick Men? Yeah, yeah. What a movie. Yep. Yeah, that guy is spectacular. Tom Green, kind of <laughs> dating it. Yeah. Uh, being Tom Green with a shtick. LL Cool J's in the first scene. Oh, I love it, dude. Dude, the music is amazing. It's so, so late 90s, early 2000s. Dude, an LL know. Cool J plays exactly the same guy in every like cameo of that era that he was a part of, which were many. <laughs> he, he, he always plays like either a rapper or a music producer and he's always like swaggering onto the screen with his huge pecs and his big biceps and he's he's only ever on camera for a couple of minutes but he's always like uh you know he's got a pair of sunglasses on and like a like velvet pants you know what i mean <laughs> now in this one yeah. he actually played drew barrymore Wait, what it's in the, the opening scene. It was a really great cold open. He's okay. in a plane, and he's in, like, full-on, like, like 90s African garb, like the Hello, hat cool and jet. everything. Yeah. Yeah, and, and uh, then he grabs somebody, opens up the door of the plane, and jumps out. Okay. The Lucy Liu and Cameron Diaz pick them up in a boat. Okay. And then LL Cool J pulls off his mask and is Drew Barrymore. Oh, I like it. I don't, but I don't. But I loved watching it. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I don't want to like it. That's so stupid. Right, right. So, so the the question here is, how can you love something that's so clearly stupid? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, and, and and you know what I loved about it? What? 
the 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 charming nineties of it, including yes. like wire work. Remember when they just discovered that in the West wow. and it was everywhere? Yeah, Everyone's what? jumping up and kicking seventeen times. Oh, dude, yeah, that was from uh, that movie Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Yes, that thing came out, and then everybody was doing wire work, like like there was no tomorrow with wire work. You know what I mean? Yeah. So taking that thing and mainstreaming it in a sellout kind of way. Yeah. And, and dude, get this: the the, the scene where they're they're trying to like hack into uh, Tim Curry's life. Yeah. And there aren't smartphones yet. Okay. So they are giving him a massage and they snag his Palm Pilot. Oh, nice, dude! Now, as yeah. a as a as a Palm Pilot aficionado, I'm guessing the answer to this, but I, I want to hear you say it. Does it excite you when you get to see a Palm Pilot on screen? Yeah, it does. It's like yeah. seeing a friend in a movie, you know? Dude, yeah, you're like, right. oh my gosh, right. that's my old roommate Ned. There's probably like a a website somewhere like listing all the <laughs> all, all dot <laughs> and I probably am the one who runs it. Yeah, yeah, all dot backslash dot Palm Pilots in movies or something. But uh, <laughs> all the Usenet group that's use, still Usenet group. around. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, and they're like, she's like, I, oh. I cloned his Palm Pilot. I got a schedule now, so we can. <laughs> yeah. Like, <what>? Ooh, <laughs> dude, when you got the guy's schedule, I mean, you've basically hacked into his entire life. Right. If you can get someone's schedule, there's no. You gonna empty out their bank account? I mean, I guess you can't, but like, but you know dangerous. where they're gonna be at a given. Like, time. you know where they're gonna be, probably, unless it changes. You know. And the thing is, if you're actually already stealing the person's Palm Pilot, you already know where they were at that point. <laughs> yeah. So why that... couldn't you just do the thing then? Right. Yeah, that's it, man. <laughs> right, you're never going to be closer ostensibly than than you are when you're stealing the Palm Pilot uh, itself, you know. And then at the end, and this will, this is I can tell I'm going a little long with this description. I'm a little more excited than I should be. That's okay. But this is the kind of '90s Audis movie where through the entire credits, there's like footage of people goofing and dancing around at the end of every take. Yeah, like to a to like a stupid like '60s song. Nice, nice. Which there's something about Mary also did. Also uh, Cameron Diaz. Yeah. Hmm. Boy, she's a nineties thing. You know what oh I mean? Oh my gosh, yeah. Yeah. What's she been doing? I remember for the being last... full on just like like oh my gosh, there's never gonna be anyone more amazing and beautiful than Cameron Diaz when she was like a new phenom. Dude, what happened to her? What's she doing now? I don't know. Huh. I I really don't know. She was in Vanilla Sky, but that was years ago. Yeah, yeah. Is she in stuff? She was in uh, Gangs of New York, which was horrible. Dude, that was horrible, but that was like, again, also like years, 10, yeah, like years, 10 ago, years ago, probably. Yeah, I don't know, man. Huh, strange. Somebody look, if only we kept Wikipedia open all the time. Yeah, I, I, if only we had that capability in our studios, you know? <laughs> if I open anything else on my computer, you know what's going to happen. Yeah, we're going to lose the entire <laughs> program, and that's going to be... <laughs> I guess now is the time, then, man, to uh, jump back into Gut Shack Literacy Month. Baby, I guess it is, but I feel like I feel like we have some news. You know what oh I mean? And I, I I feel like I don't know what it's like to be a woman like with <laughs> with child. You know what I mean? Like you're you're walking around church and you're going like, who knows? Is anyone going to ask me? You know what I mean? I don't know what that feels like. However, being that we have a publishing company and we are we are prolific authors, um, something something very special happened about a week ago. Um, and what happened was you and I started writing chapters like crazy, uh, for the sequel to re-raptured. Dude, um, and I'm afraid I already kind of, uh, posted the sonogram pictures on Facebook cause I was too excited. Dude, you did? What did you say? I just, I just put a picture of, uh, my Nirvana cigar and my little, uh, word processor where it said re-raptured again, uh, yes. prologue. Yes. Oh my gosh, dude. And it was you who started just out of nowhere. You you wrote one and then you wrote another and then you wrote another. I think all in one day, right? Dude, I did. I just had a day where I was like, you know what? I and, and not to get too like existential and weird and, and mid lifey here, but like <laughs> like nothing was exciting me. You know what I mean? Like okay. I, I wasn't looking forward to anything and I wasn't feeling excited about anything. And um and I was just like, you know what? I'm 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 going to write some chapters and, uh, and I just did it, man. And I just, I threw them down and then I sent them to you and you wrote a couple and you sent them back and it was just, it was magical. It, you was, know, it was dude. And then there was yet another one, new one today that I yes. haven't yet read. I'm really excited to read it. Dude. Good, man. Enjoy that. Enjoy that. This is, isn't this the, the, the magical part of the process though, man, really? I mean, just the, 
writing the chapters, sending them back and forth. Like this is what it's all about, dude. This is this is no joke, no exaggeration. I'm, I'm not I'm not brown nosing for the podcast here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would far far rather write the haha book every other chapter with you than yeah. like another novel that would actually get picked up by a major publisher. Absolutely, um, man. Dude, this is so much more fun. I wish we could figure a way where we got like a large advance for it. I wish we could too. And here's the thing. And, and we were, we were actually talking about this off the air. I think this is way better. You know, I think the writing is way better. I, dude, I wonder, I don't know. There, nobody in Christian publishing has a sense of humor. So it's a moot point. But I think relevant books would have done it, but they no longer exist. Okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah. We, that was gonna we be exist. Like- so maybe we should just pay ourselves, uh, you know, maybe advance. we should just do it. You know, let's just do it. I think we should put the two together in one volume, a nice... Yeah. Maybe we should think about a hardcover. Dude, you know what? I was thinking about that. Like, if we put both if we put both of them together, it'd be around 100,000 words probably or more. You know, that'd be a nice, like, hardcover volume. That'd be handsome, you know? Let's Somebody think about could, that. Let's do think about it. I'm thinking about it right now. I'm thinking about it, too. I feel like I'm thinking about it too much. I, so am I, man. It's, it's all I can think about right now. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, when I when I got these in the email, yeah, my my wife and I are lying in bed about to maybe turn on the TV and and just kind of veg for a while after the yeah. boy goes to sleep. And I said, I've got new chapters here, and would you like me to read them to you? She's like, uh-huh. Oh yeah, great! I start reading them. It takes me, I mean, these aren't long chapters. Yeah, it takes short. me like forty minutes to get through them because I kept having to like I was I was laughing so hard. <laughs> Dude, yeah. the, the the uh program and I don't, you know, spoiler alert, uh yeah. if you haven't read it and if you're not me or Ted, you, you haven't. The, <laughs> yeah. the program to give high-level journalism jobs to people who have been partially blown up. Yeah. It was called Jets. The acronym was Jets. <laughs> oh my gosh. And the just the very fact that that character was still alive. Yeah. And that he was referred to as being blown up but not entirely blown. Up. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so dude! Funny. The joy of creating, man. This is what I, I what I was missing in my life. You know what I mean? And there's something even more satisfying about picking back up the same characters, yeah, and taking yeah. them further. You're right, too, because it's like the 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 blueprint is already there. Like we just get to make it more awesome. I really feel like this should be a television, you know, like a Netflix original. Dude, it could be. I mean, there's so many great characters and so much action. This could totally be a Netflix original. Well. For the moment, I guess we'll have to be satisfied with just reading into a microphone, into right. a computer. Right. Uh, yeah, we, we don't want to dream too big here, you know? <laughs> Which is almost all, as good as the Netflix. Exactly. Listen, all I ever dreamed of was, was sitting in, in an empty room talking into a microphone on my computer. So, you know what? Dream realized. All right. So, here it is. Chapter 19, On the Run. The chopper blades rise to a fever pitch as the medevac heads southwest toward the Honorable Philip Yancey Hospital in Denver. Ironsides had planned on digging the bullet from his left shoulder himself on the helicopter ride. To that end, he had broken into Townsend's bathroom and stolen the following. A bottle of rubbing alcohol, a package of gauze, and a People magazine. He loves the (laughs) candid celebrity photos. It should be noted that he didn't actually, quote, break in, given that the door was unlocked. But when he retells the story, it will get more sensational each time. Ironsides knew how to do all this stuff because of the many clean, sex scenes removed, action films he's watched. It's as though he knew exactly how to rip the gauze package open with his teeth, and also how to dramatically dump out some alcohol over the wound. He knew to insist on doing this, even though he had a helicopter full of medical professionals who totally could have done it. (laughs) As they waited for the chopper, Carol Ann combated the awkward silence by chirping, Thanks for the magazine, Daddy. Break. (laughs) Alex can't believe his luck. There in front of him is the Ted Strongbow, tall, ruggedly good-looking, filling out his uniform perfectly. What he wouldn't give to look like that, to be like that. One glance at Kate and the feeling intensifies. She is obviously attracted to the football star in a way she is not attracted to Alex. <laughs> she's, never, she's never looked at him like that or been so flustered in his presence. <laughs> of course, that could have something to do with the head-on collision and subsequent shower of notes. Ted hastily scrapes together the papers, shoving them into Kate's waiting arms. He spies one last sheet that drifted halfway under a garbage can and leans over to retrieve it. In that moment, his eyes rest upon an underlined note that reads, 
T.S. scared slash someone's controlling him. I know, dude. Ominous. And in the same moment, Alex spies the gun tucked into Strongbow's pants. (laughs) Though (laughs) Though he wants to confront Kate about the note to set her straight, Strongbow hasn't the time. Van Shrimpy will be waiting for him, and he must get to that duffel. He pushes the paper at Kate's full arms, crumpling it in his meaty fingers, and glares at her. He never once looks at Alex. (laughs) Then he is gone, running swiftly down the concourse, his unshod feet making slapping noises that fade into the distance. When he is no longer in sight, Alex turns to Kate. Here, let me help you with those. He reaches under her arms for the pile of papers, hoping to brush his hand against her body. Instead, Kate thrusts the papers forward, away from her chest, practically dropping them in Alex's waiting hands, and then fishes around in her purse for her cell phone. I have to make a call. But deep beneath the stadium, she can't get a signal. Shoot, I wonder if I can get a text through. Kate furiously checks the number scrawled on the back of the Applebee's receipt she snagged from Strongbow's locker, while he gazed at his reflection, bouncing his pecs, part of his post-interview routine. (laughs) Kate hits send. Alex kneels at her feet, trying to read the papers he is carefully stacking, but her feet are so distracting. <laughs> My wife wrote this, man. It's yeah, kind, kind of, of uh, yeah, kind it's of risque. Uh, it's, yeah, it's a little PG thirteen here, Zach. <laughs> <laughs> That's good enough, Kate says, pulling him into a standing position. We have to get to one of the back entrances now. We're meeting someone. Who? A girl, some college chick Ted Strongbow was making out with. I'm sure he's made out with lots of girls, says Alex, hoping to get some sort of reaction out of Kate. That will indicate whether or not she was one of those girls. <laughs> yeah, but this misty chick is the only one he gave his tracking chip to. Oh. Wait, did you say misty? So it turns out that that both of the women Alex is into are are really more into Ted Strongbow. Yeah, isn't that crazy? You know, <laughs> what an interesting turn of events. It's so hard to be Alex. <laughs> you know, it's going to get harder to be Alex. Actually, it really is. Yeah, even his into arc, the sequel. Yeah, right. There's, there's. <laughs> Spoiler alert, there's not a lot of soaring kind of triumph for Alex in his future, at least here in the short term. Having never attended a professional football game, or a football game of any kind for that matter, James Wiles takes a moment to research the history of the team whose stadium he is about to visit. His homepage is already Wikipedia, (laughs) so he needs only to type in the letters D and E before it autofills Denver Values Football Club. He skims the contents of the page. 1960 to 1970, the team operated under the name Denver Broncos and competed in the American Football League until the AFL-NFL merger in 1970. 1970 to 1976, the team competed as a member of the National Football League until 1976, when the NFL, at the continued behest of a left-wing political action group based on inclusivity and progressivism, changed its name to the Everybody Wins and is Valued Football League. (laughs) E-W-I-V-F-L, Iwivifl, which which operated from 1976 to 1978 and launched franchises in such cities as Portland, Oregon, and Athens, Georgia, which franchises were bankrupt and defunct within a year because their fans boycotted, quote, the brutality and violence of professional football and instead staged sit-ins and hacky sack demonstrations (laughs) on the playing fields. Now, Ted, I got to just pause a minute here and say, uh, I assume that this is this is apocryphal, right? I mean, as a non-sports guy. Yeah, 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 <laughs> absolutely. From 1976 to 1978, every equivocal franchise received a championship trophy, and every player was named to the postseason All-Star game, creating what officials called "quote a logistical nightmare." 1978, the league receives an anonymous influx of cash from LaHaye Armaments Incorporated which is a large multinational defense contractor, citation needed, in order to change its name to the All-States Football League, which, according to the press release, quote, upholds and affirms the principles of inclusivity and hope without sounding like a Montessori school mission statement, end quote. As part of the compromise, however, teams were forced to change their names and mascots to names and mascots that, quote, captured the local heritage of the area. As a result, the Cincinnati franchise became known as the Cincinnati Docents, and the Miami Dolphins became known as the Miami Multicultures. Other team names included the Arizona Dry Heat and the Seattle Hipsters. <laughs> In 1978, even. 
1978. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, there were it, hipsters before early hipsters. hipsters. Were the they were yeah. hipsters before hipsters, which makes them the ultimate hipsters. Yeah, proto hipsters. Yeah, proto hipsters. 1978. The Denver Broncos become known as the Denver Values, as in family values, <laughs> given their proximity to ministries such as Campus Mania and focus on the family. <laughs> Their trademark bucking Bronco logo was replaced by the kinds of family stickers, stick figures connoting parents and children (laughs) that adorn the backs of minivans in heavily suburban areas. For example, a single player would have a stick figure of himself on the side of his dark blue helmet, while a player with a wife and four kids would have a stick figure of the wife and the four kids on the side of his helmet. (laughs) I was wrong, dude. This This is not less funny than the new stuff. This is as funny. 1979, the Denver Values select Duke Morrison with the 43rd pick of the 1979 ASFL draft. Morrison would go on to play in seven Pro Bowls and later be named head coach of the Denver Values. 1991, a small scandal occurs when a Denver Values defensive back is found to have sired 14 (laughs) illegitimate children with 11 different mothers and runs out of space on his helmet for child stickers. (laughs) The team played the entire season without helmet logos and silent protests. <laughs> 1997, LaHaye Armaments acquires a majority share of the Denver Values, soon installs the large family-slash-homeschool section shortly after the Seattle hipsters created the same-sex domestic partners with shared health insurance section. <laughs> 2008, LaHaye Armaments acquires Strongbow Incorporated. It is Ted Strongbow's junior year at Florida Christian Polytechnic. So he's already got his own incorporation, or his own incorporation uh, from his college years. Even as a junior in college, he's 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 global. He's a global corporation. (laughs) All right, yeah. Section break. Emma drags a large black garbage bag down the steps in the west stairwell of Walden Hall. Throwing her weight against the crash bar on the heavy steel door, she shies at the intense rays of the setting sun that assault her eyes. She hauls the bag across the gritty sidewalk and flips open the large black plastic cover of the dumpster. With some effort, she manages to push the load over the side and it lands with a thwump amid the detritus of the week. Beer bottles and pizza boxes and pregnancy tests. Oh, that's dark. It is. <laughs> Again, so this, dark. Is, this is Aaron. This, this is, is Aaron. This is the Aaron darkness that I live with. Stuff. Yeah, right. <laughs> it all disgusts her. Yeah. She can smell old beer wafting up from the dumpster. She wants nothing more than to incinerate it all. Ooh, but not being a smoker, she, of course, carries no lighter or matches. Luckily, a full 80% of students on campus do smoke something, and a group of rather slow-looking skater boys is shuffling down the sidewalk, carrying their boards. Any of you guys have a match? (laughs) Nice, dude. (laughs) A shaggy kid in ripped jeans reaches in his pocket and produces a box of matches. He tosses it to her. She stands there with it, wondering how to use a match and return the box, but not be identified in case someone calls campus security. You out of smokes? The shaggy kid asks. <laughs> um, yeah, Emma replies lamely. <laughs> Here. The shaggy kid pulls a cigarette out of his pocket in his, I'm sorry, out of the package in his pocket and hands it to her. After a moment, she puts it in her mouth and tries to light it, holding the end of a lit match to the end of the cigarette. Her hand shakes so badly the match goes out. Here I got it, says the shaggy kid. <laughs> As he draws closer to her, he lights another match and cups his hand around it, holding it to the cigarette. Emma doesn't know that she needs to breathe in to get the cigarette to light, but she is beginning to hyperventilate with the knowledge that she is willfully sinning at this very moment. The cigarette catches. The shaggy boy laughs. Take it easy, he says, and rejoins his friends. Once they are out of sight, behind the building, Emma yanks the cigarette from her lips and eyes the contents of the dumpster. She opens the top of the garbage bag, containing all of Misty's offensive posters and clothing and magazines. She gingerly reaches for a half-empty bottle of tequila stuck among some fiesta-themed plates and a smashed sombrero. Trying hard not to get the stink on herself, she pours the contents of the bottle into the bag. Then she drops in the still-burning cigarette. Instantly, flames lick at the sides of the bag, and she smells a putrid mixture of alcohol, melting plastic, and what can only be day-old vomit. After a furtive glance around at the dorm windows surrounding her, she hastens back inside. Time to call her Bible study group and confess about the smoking before any rumors start to fly. She is sure they will understand. (laughs) 
Not the arson, just the, just the smoking. <laughs> yeah, not the arson. Right, right. All right, section break. James Wiles walks swiftly down the hall, briefcase in hand. He must find Duke Morrison, the only former member of the Rapture Club whose whereabouts he knows. His plan is simple. Get in the stadium and down to the sidelines where Morrison will be yelling into the headset and find out if he knows anything, if anything has happened. The gun in his briefcase is a small comfort, but Wiles knows that if this stuff is real, he will need more protection than just a firearm. He considers the wisdom of asking God for help after decades of ignoring him. He decides against it for now. He is almost to the stairs when Ronald Markstrom calls to him from his office. <laughs> James, James, wait a minute. I have to talk to you. Wiles halts and turns. Ronald, his considerable <laughs> mass jiggling with each labored step, is closing in on him. I'm in a bit of a hurry, Ron. What can I do for you? The big man breathes heavily. It's just, I got this <laughs> note in my box. And I thought, you should know about it. <laughs> he hands James an envelope with a broken wax seal. I'm sure it's just a prank, Ron says, rallying. But I wanted you to be aware of it. I checked all the other boxes, and it looks like every professor in the English department got one. James unfolds the single sheet of paper and, to his horror, reads the following lines. To whom it may concern, let it be known that Dr. James Wiles, professor of English, is not who you think he is. He is an undercover operative in the Tribulation Fellowship, an elite, an, an elite group of conservative fundamentalist dispensational fanatics who are charged with tracking, anticipating, and aiding the coming judgment of God on this world. The note went on to explain in detail the various stages of the rapture and tribulation in all their literal glory, with convenient slips into symbolism when advantageous. James feels his stomach drop as he reads his name at the bottom. He can feel Ron watching him intently. This is just a joke, right, James? James stumbles a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm sure some student with a grievance whipped this up. You said everyone got one. Yes, every box had one. Listen, Ronald. <laughs> can you do me a favor and gather them all up and shred them? Even though it's only a joke, you know how rumors get started. I'd do it, but I have to meet someone and I'm running late. Oh, sure, I can do that. Thanks, man. And would you mind please keeping it to yourself? No problem. I'll take care of it. James rushes off, remembering that night back in 1977 when he confided in Dr. Van Shrimpy about his worst nightmare, that people would someday find out he'd been part of that silly rapture club. <laughs> he'd said it half in jest at the time, just to get under Van Shrimpy's skin. He never realized it would come back to haunt him. He hopes Ronald Markstrom can manage to keep his considerably large trap shut about it. James skids to a stop at his car and gapes. Someone has spray-painted the end is near in bright red across the entire hood of his BMW and our day across the trunk. But with no alternative, he jumps in and squeals off to the stadium, hunched low in the car to avoid being recognized by anyone. The university newspaper would have a field day with this. Nice. <laughs> hey, Ted, it almost seems like the quality of your voice in between yeah. two sections, changed entirely. Is that right? Yeah, isn't that odd? That's so odd, man. <laughs> it's, like, it's so odd. It's, it's like you're on a phone now. Dude, it's really funny. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's like we're just, you know, uh, recording all this in, in small chunks. You know, it's also, Which, I feel I feel like it would be remiss if I didn't mention and give kind of um, credit where credit is due to, mm -hmm. to uh, my desk chair, which is greatly featured in... Uh, this particular episode, making the squeaky noises that it makes. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah. People need to know that. You know, <laughs> people need to know what they're what they're hearing in the background. Wiveful, dude. <laughs> Wiveful, dude. That part was funny. That was fun. That was fun. Oh my god, dude. But our our new stuff is way fun. You're right. It is so way, it is way so much funny. better. It, you know why? Yeah. Because I think that first of all, having the little gap that we do of a of a few years in between. Yeah. Leaves like like the humor of of jumping back in and and seeing what has transpired. Right, that's often a a great tactic uh, that, yeah. that television yeah. shows will use. You know, like sure. oh, it's been six months and now look what where we are. You know, and, right, and that right. itself Catch up with brings, your characters yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely, dude. I'm loving it, man. I want to. My plan is to knock out another chap tomorrow. Hopefully, nice. So. I will get another um, one out too. 
Beautiful, baby. Beautiful. I love it. Well, this will be a good app, man. It's certainly one that wanders to and far, so I mean, that's all we can it really ask, isn't it? Far. Indeed, indeed. Dude, and friggin' missionalware, man. I hope I, I I wanna like exert subtle pressure on them without like being a douche. You know what I mean? Are, are we not like on on anymore or Wait what? You Well no, we're off the air, I guess. Oh, okay. You didn't say next just, time, I just, so I thought we were still No, I in my mind I went off the air. <laughs> you know? In in my mind it was just a phone call at this point. Because <laughs> you you're on your phone, yeah. Yeah, because I'm on my phone and we're talking and you know, sometimes I conflate just uh regular like friendship talk with uh with our highly lucrative professional radio product. You know, you know? Ted, it's kinda like those those couples though that, that you know, they have kids and then eighteen years later the kids move out and they just mm-hmm. don't know each other anymore because it's all been centered on on the That's kids. Right. So Yeah, in a way this show is our kids. Yeah. And you know? it's important that we keep it, you know, cordoned yeah, off. Keep it at home. Yeah. <laughs> We need to keep the, the, the kid that is the show just living in our basement indefinitely because <laughs> not only are we enabling him, he's at some level enabling us. You know what? You I know? can't believe, speaking of basements, man, that we talked uh-huh. about man caves without yeah. talking about your house in Grand Ledge and the fact that you had pretty much the coolest man cave anyone's ever had because you had that full-size... The functioning boxing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. That, that's crazy. Honestly, I mean, you can't you can't beat that. You could you could add to it, but you can't yeah. you can't beat that. It's it's incredible. No, nothing will ever nothing will ever like really replicate that. Man. You, you don't have? Do you have a basement now? I don't. No, not a lot of homes. I didn't think so. Yeah. Yeah, and I miss that, man. I'm, I'm really, as you know, a huge basement guy. But um, yeah, that's that's sorely lacking down here. I think like a large chunk of the country, the basement is an, an oddity, kind of. I think so. I think so. Yeah. Are you, are you watching shame. something now? I am, yeah. I'm in the kitchen, just <laughs> taking care of some... There's, wait a minute, there's a sink in your studio? There's a sink in my studio. It's the craziest <laughs> thing. My studio's like a man cave. I've got a little wet bar. Dude. And by a wet bar, I mean my just actual kitchen where all the food is prepared and then cleaned up. Say <laughs> <you> next time. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you... <laughs> Next time. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I- <laughs>